Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Mari Forth. And I'm Sarah Carradine. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. We'll put documentary features, short series, and long-running episodic shows under the magnifying glass and examine what true crime stories can tell us about ourselves. We'll have fascinating guests each week to discuss our true crime passions with new and recent releases, as well as classics. We'll give you our recommendations and suggestions for more viewing, listening, and reading on the side. Let's open today's file. Today, we are flying high as we watch Icarus. Okay, so Mari, Icarus is the 2017 documentary feature. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's directed by Brian Fogel and produced by Dan Cogan. It's won multiple awards, uh, won Sundance Best Director and the Academy Award Best Documentary Feature both in uh, 2017. Wow. Uh, Yeah, Fogel has um, since directed The Dissident, which is about the murder of Washington Post journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi. So Mm -hmm. really a hard hitter, high flyer there himself. Um, And the producer, Dan Cogan, uh, has produced multiple documentary features. You may know uh, The Queen of Versailles. If people haven't seen that, that's a great one to look out. Um, I'm not sure if I know that one. Oh, it's it's not true crime, but it's about the bling bling. It's uh, it's fascinating. Look into sort of excessive the excessive world of uh, I'd say new money. I, that's a bit classist. Uh, it's pe- people who make yeah. money and a lot of okay. it, and then spend it on extraordinary things. So oh. it's worth looking at. And I'll put the reference in the show notes there. Um, gotcha. He's also done uh, two uh, produced two documentary series. Uh, which I highly recommend. I'll be gone oh. in the dark, and mm-hmm. Alan versus Pharaoh. Look, that last one is a hard sit, but uh, it's extremely, yes, extremely yes. Good. Uh, I have not done Alan versus Pharaoh because of the hard sit, but I'll be gone in the dark. Is I mean, it is amazing. But you know, before we're not at the recommendation section yet, so <laughs> let, <laughs> let's just get into like just a little bit more. So Icarus, the documentary we're talking about today, like. When I tell you, Sarah, I didn't, I seen this on Netflix. I said, oh, I'm going to get to it. 
And my higher mind thinking was just, okay, it's about the uh, Russian um, doping scandal. Um, But I was very surprised at how it actually started. Um, Like with Brian Fogel's journey to uh, just race the, 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 do the Pyrenees race, um, the, the hope route, like you said. Uh, But I like, it was one of those things where I had to watch it. I had to watch it twice because I I was like, okay, I'm watching this guy train for, for this. uh, They call it what they call it. The mini, um, (laughs) they called it the mini tour de France. Right. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, it's like the Tour de France, but for amateurs. So it's, uh, I think, the hardest uh, amateur cycling race. It's a seven-day hard, hard race. It's endurance. It's plenty of climbs. Uh, If you want to know a little bit more about the Haute Tour, um, uh, uh, you should uh, listen at the end for a little special uh, Easter egg. But it starts with Brian Fogel talking about racing this incredible uh, cycling event. Uh, he comes 14th the first uh, year right. that he well, rides. Before we, get, before we get into the spoilers, I just wanted to say that, that's where I was confused because I was like, okay, because you kept telling me you were the one who drove this and you told me we should watch this. And I was like, cool, I'm, I'm all for it. And you kept saying cycling, cycling, cycling. And I was like, what did cycling have to do with the Russian doping scandal? And so it was really funny that it, he started off with one concept and then this story just completely shifted. And he just kind of, it almost kind of seems like he was at the right place at the right time. Yes. I mean, well, there are a number of documentary features and we'll talk about them in the recommendations section where the filmmaker starts with one idea and finds a different story along the way. And I always find those absolutely fascinating. Just the yes. way being in the place at the time can, you know, change someone's life as I think it did here with Brian Fogel. Yes. And that's why I was, that's why I was uh, confused at the beginning. So um, I think let's go on ahead. Let's get into the spoilers. So, you know, Spoiler warning from here on out, we will be discussing Icarus in its entirety. So now is the time to hop off if you don't want to hear the spoilers or if you just uh, wanted to get an idea before you jumped in. So like I was saying, the first like 30 minutes of it was like Brian Fogle. Like you said, he ran the the Hope route. Uh, well, I said ran. I keep saying run, but he cycled. He was doing cycling for the Hope route um, the first time and he came in 14th place. And then like he just said, well, maybe I should try doping. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and, like, he's like, and so he's like, okay, I'll try doping. Maybe I can get the scientists on board to help me try and beat the test. And um, that he talked to the American scientists first. Uh, I already forgot his name. Don Cat- Don Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin, yes. Yeah. Don mm-hmm. Caitlin. And Don Caitlin was like, yeah, you could. we could get you on a program where you can use steroids and we can get you on a whole program. And then um, we can, it's kind of like they can wean you off before the test. But before Don Caitlin really got into the thick of things, he was like, okay, no, I can't do this. I'm, I'm afraid of like my legacy. So he points he points Brian here to Grigory Rodchevet. Rod, Rod, help me out here, Sarah. Rodchenko. Rodch- oh, I was way off. Um, <laughs> Unless I'm, look, I'm, I might be way off and I just uh, am saying it more confidently. I'm going to say it again. Rodchenkov, but I think some people call Rodchenkov. him Rodchenkov. 
uh, yeah. people pronounce it differently. We're just going to call him uh, Grigori. From, Grigori. From yes. <laughs> yes. And we apologize to any of our Russian listeners. We are not doing this on purpose. And so then it morphed to like him reaching out to Grigori. So this is what I was like, okay, wait, so there are cameras here and they're helping him. Like I was like, I was like, did I miss something? But I think it was during the, the Don Caitlin phase where they're like, yeah, you know, uh, we can show you how to do the program and then how to evade the testing almost like a haha this is kind of funny type of thing it felt like I was like oh we'll do it just to do it am I right in this Sarah I was I was literally like why are they doing all of this on camera (laughs) yeah I I, I did write down I'm watching it again I mean I had always I I saw it when it first came out it was recommended to me by a documentarian uh, of my acquaintance Uh, she said watch this and I literally knew nothing about it uh, Mm -hmm. and I started watching it. So I was really along for the ride. I thought, oh, it's going to be the journey of this uh, man documenting how it's possible to dope in sport and how it's possible to get away with it. He's an amateur cyclist, so there's no uh, prize money involved, there's no medals involved and no sponsors involved, uh, although some amateurs are sponsored but that's a that's another that's another story so uh-huh. i watched it quite innocently and i thought aha mm-hmm. this is like a heist movie because he assembles his team he has his uh trainer he has his uh doctor that's going to uh test as his sports doctor who's going to test his his levels and he needs someone to design a doping program and he gets put on to the russian uh dr grigori Mm -hmm. who we've spoken about. And Dr. Grigori is sort of excited by the puzzle of it. Can it be done? He seems to be saying, yes, I think it can be done. Uh, I will tell you what to take. You will take it. You will send me urine. Uh, If you're not fond of looking at urine or hearing the word, Mm -hmm. there's a warning here. It's quite a lot of urine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we will see how we go. So this is how we start. We assemble the team for the heist and. Brian is determined to better his 14th place uh, at the Hope Tour the following year. Mm, Yes, right. So, and that's how it was laid out. So I was like, okay, cool. So he's going on this program. If you guys, if you're afraid of like watching needles and needles injection, this might be where you're kind of like lose it as well. Um, (laughs) But it was just, it was very interesting because the moment he's on the, like, the, we get a lot of Skype calls. They record all the Skype calls, all of, you know, all of it. And Grigori and um, Brian seem to hit it off, like, really well. I mean, they're they're laughing, talking about their dogs on, the, on like, the first, the first interaction. And again, I was really sitting here, like, at the time, Grigori is the head of, like, the, the WADA lab, which is the um, World Anti-Doping Association lab for Russia. Um, and he's just like, yeah, cool, let's do this. Like, not even like Don Caitlin, who was like, I, I don't know if Don Caitlin was in his present, you know, um, position when he thought about it. But Grigori was like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if I'm the head of the anti-doping agency. I'll show you how to dope and get away with it. Like, it was like, huh? <laughs> like, that's that was the one reason why I, was, I did a double take. I'm like, I'm so confused. Why is he letting him film this, you know? Um, well, I think because the setup is we are making a film to see if it's possible. And because it's all documented, it's almost like you are, you know, bulletproof. Oh, see, we were doing it to, it's like uh, the Morton Spurlock uh, documentary, Super Size Me, where he's using his own body 
as a, a, a guinea pig to see yes. to see what what this uh, what this thing exactly. is all about. And I got mm. that, but then I was also like, but why would an anti-doping <laughs> officer want to be like, yeah, you can trick our test? Like, it, that was a funny thing to me. But I thought that was like a really good starting point because, like we, like you said, we he goes on this this uh, program. We see him. They like they document it over like months, and he's you just see all of the different types of needles he has to stick himself in. He goes into his thighs, and then he starts with his buttocks, and so many pills. I was just like, "Gosh, like you must have to really want it to do all of this." Because I even he seemed like he would have wanted to give up if he like, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like you have to have that competitive drive to want to like win and all of that in order to stick yourself so many times with so many needles for months and months on end. Yeah, he sounds so weary at one point at about the three months. Yeah. Mark. It's like, oh, yeah, this is going in there. And the interesting thing, and again, here, here's a parallel to Morton Spurlock, uh, although he doesn't uh, overtly say, oh, I didn't notice a difference. We really see him go through, not only do his thighs just become incredible, they were pretty impressive uh, to mm-hmm. start with. He was a real top amateur cyclist. We see his the physical changes in his body, but it's almost like the mental strain and the weariness and the blinkeredness that he gets. And I think here I like the work of the producer, um, uh, Don, Dan. Uh, Dan, sorry, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, who we do hear a little bit, uh, talking to him from behind the camera in this section, and we will see actually on camera uh, once the documentary turns to be something much darker. Um, I-, I thought when I first watched it that Grigori was was almost saying, "Look, I'm going to design you the absolute top gold standard doping schedule, and you won't be able to get away with it." I thought that was his motivation. He mm. as the top, as the head of the uh, Olympic. Uh, testing, anti-doping, yeah. the Russian anti-doping agency, the absolute yeah. top director. I thought his motivation was, oh, sure, look, we'll try it, I, and I'm the best. So, you know, and I know all the protocols. I'll show you how to get around them, but you won't be able to. Um, not the case, Murray. Not the case. No, not at all. Because as they're filming, like, the first do- documentary drops, like, in December, I think it was December of 2014 they had on the card. I can't, um, if I remember correctly. But, like, so a German documentary series broke about Russian doping, and it had um, Grigori in it talking about how Russian athletes were doping. And I think that's what I thought this was. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the documentary I thought we were watching. Watching. So when it showed up in this documentary, I was like, oh, okay. And then even Grigori just so nonchalantly is like, yeah, so did you see the other documentary I was in? And yeah, you know, it, it's a little bit of like the, that documentary tried to expose him as being the head of a doping scandal. But all it was like, all anybody was really like was like, oh, we'll investigate it. And it almost seemed like they didn't even like try. Mm. Well, I hadn't seen uh, that documentary, uh, The Secrets of Doping, How Russia Makes Its Winners. So I did watch it uh, in preparation for this. And you think, how could this not have broken open absolutely everything? But what seems to happen if you watch it in in tandem with Icarus is that uh, Grigori kind of takes the fall. He gets uh, he goes to jail in Russia. And as he tells us and 
and Brian, um, Putin himself uh, pulled him out of jail to head the anti-doping uh, uh, laboratory in Russia. Very wow. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> See, okay, that makes sense now because when they did go into um, Grigori talking about the first time he was charged and all that, I didn't know it fit right into that pocket there. I just, I just thought he got charged for something else. You know, it's Russia. I don't know when they got, when he got charged, but that makes so much sense now. So that the German documentary broke, Grigori was basically kind of the patsy for it, took the fall for it. He, he, um, he had suicidal ideations, um, but they were able to uh, save him. And he, they then uh, put him into a mental institution um, instead of prison. He was like in both. He was like in a, um, uh, his second stay was in a high security mental uh, institution, he says. Yeah, for, um, the, for the criminally insane. Criminally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's where the, Putin grabbed him. Yeah, yeah. And this is the interesting thing that the state can do. Russia, but also one may wish to draw conclusions, that now they have him, now they own him, because uh-huh. if he says or does does anything, they can say, this is a man who was in a mental institution. We have proof uh-huh. uh, that he is uh, insane. Obviously, that's people in, in uh, mental health facilities are not necessarily insane uh, right. and what is insanity, but this is what the state can do. And this interested me in something I, I just can't believe I didn't remember from when I saw it the first time. The uh, film opens with a quote from George Orwell during oh, times uh-huh. of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. And I thought, uh-huh. well, that's great, but it's quite high-minded for what uh-huh. I'm about But as we see, George Orwell, a very important uh, figure in Grigori's life, Uh, 1984 was banned in in the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. until 1989. He first read it in 1989 as a younger man and it completely opened his mind to, you know, uh, double think and the state and so on. And we do Mm -hmm. see him referring uh, as time goes on to this world that George Orwell wrote about in 1948 uh, as being a world that he inhabited in Soviet Union. And I think as the documentary goes on, one of the really interesting things for me is we see these two men who have this instant friendship. Grigori is thrilled that Brian's dog hasn't been castrated. That's the first thing he says. Mm-hmm. Oh, male or female? Oh, male, castrated? No. And he gets Brian to show him the dog's mm-hmm. bollocks. Yeah. Um, and yet, we also see that their worldviews are so different uh, given the two worlds that they grew up in, um, uh, the American and the Soviet. So I thought that was a sort of fascinating uh, sort of side uh, uh, um, joy of of the documentary. Yes, exactly. And and at this point, like, so once Brian completes the, he, he goes through the whole steroid uh, program, he does the Hote route one more time, and he actually places worse. Um, he did have, like, his bike malfunction at one point. He couldn't, like, switch gears for 100 kilometers, I think he said. Um, but, like, this was, uh, he had a whole team this time. He had a whole team. He had a whole steroid program. Uh Grigori had came to LA to help him, uh, take his, they, they took, like you said, he, he, he urinated in a whole bunch of cups and then they tested it and all that stuff. Um, 
uh, well, he even had to smuggle the urine back to Russia in order to test it and, and all of that because his his at this point the laboratory was under investigation due to the German documentary. But he was able to smuggle the the urine back and test it and stuff like that. But Brian Brian places worse, so it really calls. It makes you think. Um, if we're gonna stop down here, right, real quick, it really makes you think. Like, so having steroids in your body isn't just the end-all be-all because Brian was doing the steroid program. He was also doing the regular training. We saw him doing regular like cycling training and he still did worse than last time, you know? So yeah, he places 28. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about that, Sarah? Does that, does that somewhat kind of like, I don't want to say like exonerate steroid users or anything like that, but it seems like you have to have something there for the steroids to, enhance almost yes I, I think there's something about uh elite athletes or elite musicians mathematicians anybody at the absolute top of their field there is something extra i mean when he placed 14th he wasn't necessarily saying that um the 13 people ahead had doped but right. he couldn't see how clean he could train enough to be up there with them so i think it definitely mm-hmm. has to be combination of of uh will but we are going to find out uh when the documentary turns just what doping protocols and uh it can do for athletes i don't know it's it, it's really hard and and cycling was such a a kind of um spotlit one because of uh Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. and then I remember there was a chart showing who should have won the Tour de France uh, for the previous ten years because it wasn't just Lance Armstrong that was uh, that was doping, and you you just wonder about how how that affects the sport, how that affects people. Mm-hmm. We sort of find out not that much. Like people, Brian himself says he suspected Lance Armstrong was doping, but he didn't want to know. And I think there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of that in our idealisation of these sporting heroes, particularly here in Australia. We uh, we idealise these men and women, men mostly still. Um, Cadell Evans is one of the only three non-Europeans to, as they call it now, officially win the the Tour de France. He did mm-hmm. actually win in a year, um, but uh, other non-European winners have been have been stripped of their of their Tour uh, title. So, I mean, the anarchist in me says, "All right, why doesn't everybody just dope?" Okay. Right, I, I you know, dope? yeah, because. <laughs> But it, yes, I know that, right? For me, it's kind of like, um, as a, this is about to take a big left, but as like a wrestling fan, you know, like wrestling 60s, 70s, 80s, um, wrestling was built on steroid use and anabolic steroids. It wasn't until the Vince McMahon steroid tri- trial in early, in the early 90s that uh, WWE, which was the biggest wrestling promotion at the time, um, started to move away from steroids. And before that, like steroids were being passed along in the back like candy. Um, if you guys want to know more about the steroid trial and the al- allegations of steroid use in WWE, you can check out um, Dark Side of the Ring on the Vice Network, um, the steroids trial episode. But like for me as a wrestling fan, do I care if they use steroids? No. 
You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's like it's almost like I I just want people to be healthy though. Like I the 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 reason why I'm I don't want them to do steroids now is we've seen the effects that steroid use has on a body long term, especially when it comes to not only steroid use in like the ring and stuff like that, but the steroid use mixed with the CTE. You know what I'm saying? front when it comes in that culture of wrestling how like people die younger due to the abuse of steroids and and then they do things like you know crisp and raw because of the the use of the steroids so i'm more uh i'm more against it because of the ravages that it that it has on the person's body but do i care like that they tr- they use it to get that physique because in in wwe and in wrestling it's just a physique that it's it's for really you know what i'm saying they still have to do all of the athletic accomplishments but it does not give you uh, you know <laughs> it does not enhance your performance as a wrestler if that was the case the ultimate warrior would be the greatest wrestler alive shout out to my wrestling fans who understand that joke so like it you know it's one of those things where it's just like I think the biggest problem of steroid use is the effects that it can have, especially when you use long term. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you still have to train. I mean, we see this yeah. with Brian. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yep. still training. Uh, and you, you can't just uh, take an injectable and then go and uh, win a gold medal or uh, ride the exactly. route or run a marathon or do any of these things. You have to have the will uh, and you have to have the physical ability um mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's um it's something that that world sport Very and all of us grapple with it, it's like yeah. what are what are these accomplishments um and we certainly see this turn where Grigori basically has to come to la he mm-hmm. is running ahead of and invest the continuing investigations that started in 2014 seems to have taken a very long time, Mari. Like the wheels of God grind slow, but yeah. they grind exceeding small. Uh, that the, the investigation is now hitting uh, towards um, uh, Gregoria now that he has uh, admitted the that he doped athletes. Uh, this is just the it's the tip of the iceberg tip of what of the iceberg, he did. Yes. Yeah, and interestingly, he says that when he was first in the labs, he's a doctor of, of uh, chemistry, when he was first in the labs, the uh, athletes were taking uh, a Chinese uh, steroid, which was yes. coming in, and he as a chemist felt that it was not clean. And, in mm-hmm. fact, the reason that those people were being caught dope, uh, doping was the impurities. Impurities. In the steroid, uh-huh. rather than the steroid. So, so he went about to invent a clean steroid. This is a man in an anti-doping laboratory. It's uh, it's quite labyrinthine. Yep. He, and he invented the, the test to detect it. So like, it's, it's really interesting how, how that turn, how he, he turns here in, in this documentary itself turns because we're done with Brian and the cycling around the 40 minute mark. And now Brian is Brian and Dan have made the, basically the conscious effort to just, uh, follow Gregory around and follow, you know, now that the, the, everything is heating up. And so he, he escapes to the U S he then starts talking about this and it's just amazing. He underseats the current, um, like laboratory director there, um, you, who you said like buys the dirty steroids, he makes his own steroids. And then all of Russian, like all of the Russian national team 
are doping and they're doping. And he even created, he's doing, this is what he did when he did with Brian. He's creating a program where they could dope and then they can get off of it. Or I see, I'm still kind of fuzzy if like they get off before the testing or he just knew how to um, evade the testing. Either way, he made that program where those athletes could, could dope, but then get clean tests, um, which was amazing. Truly so amazing. I, as I understand it, it was a combination because as I said, tip of the iceberg, because we find out that uh, there was a combination, how the Olympic athletes, let's move to the Olympics now. Yeah, let's, uh, the Olympic yeah, athletes let's get getting away with it was the the undetectable doping. There were protocols as to, if you were an athlete, how far ahead of your event you would stop which drug, because they're on a combination of mm-hmm. uh, human growth uh, hormones and uh, various um, steroids. Testosterone, uh, EPO, yeah. EPO, uh, yeah. Uh, so it was a combination of, your sample will be clean because of the nature of the drugs and when you stop them. Mm-hmm. Then we go into a section that I thought was extremely well done. It's a sort of it's yes. a graphic animation of what physically happens when an Olympic athlete and other athletes, but as we let's say Olympics, when an yeah. Olympic athlete is tested. So they 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 yeah, can I was going to say, can you set this up? Because it seems yeah. like, is it just me? But like, it seems like they were only able to do this because where the Sochi Olympics took place. Mm. So the, yes, because they were totally in control of the, of mm-hmm. the testing. So uh, an athlete pees, uh, it goes into two bottles, mm-hmm. uh, Behringer bottles, they're called uh, glass bottles, an A sample and a B sample. There's a, cap that locks on and you cannot get the cap off without breaking the bottle. So the samples are taken, the B sample is stored away, the A sample is tested and they showed the machine that has to break the neck of the glass bottle because inside the cap is a metal locking uh, mechanism uh, which uh, can't be tampered with, can't be opened. Um, The machine breaks that open test the A sample. If the A sample comes back positive, then the testing lab will go and get the B sample and mm-hmm. test that. Uh, if that's positive, the athlete's positive. If it's negative, then the first was a false positive. The bottles are uh, numbered with no uh, names on them. So in theory, the testers don't know uh, who they're testing. It's extraordinary. How could you possibly get past this? Uh, Grigori tells of uh, some uh, KGB agents, uh, FSB it is now, KGB yeah. agents who came to see him and said, uh, give us a locked uh, Behringer bottle. So he does. And he says four hours later they come back and it's open mm-hmm. uh, without being broken. So they figured out how to open these bottles. Mm-hmm. And Grigori tells of this extraordinary uh again almost a heist the mm. testing laboratory was close to an anonymous building the anonymous building was in fact a kgb the b samples would be passed through a hole in the wall uh yeah. and would come back some hours later and be stored yes. but now they contain clean urine yeah and apparently um 
from what I think they said later on in the documentary, what, what Grigori said later on in the documentary, uh, Putin, allegedly, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he said, uh, allegedly, um, after the Vancouver uh, Olympics, they did very poorly. And so they then announced that uh, the 2014 Winter Olympics would be in Sochi, Russia. And so this is where they were like, okay, we need to have a really good showing at Sochi. So this is when Putin handpicked Grigori, like, we are going to make sure our athletes are doping. Allegedly, this is all allegedly. This is, this is when Grigori tells Brian everything. Grigori is like, I am just going to go on the record and I'm going to tell everything. So uh, Putin allegedly picks Grigori to monitor a program for all of these, all of the national team athletes, all of Russia's athletes to be doping. And not only be doping like he was previously doing where they would dope and then maybe come off the test and, and dope dope but um um you know bypass the test they were like nah we want it completely clean so uh what they had and they wanted they wanted the they want sorry they wanted the, the test to be completely clean but they wanted their athletes to still be actively doping during the games so in order to do that this is where um, Sarah just ta- explained the process. They had to bypass the process. So they had to bypass the process by, it, it, did you see this, Sarah? It said that they collected like clean samples from the participants in 2013. So they, they collected those samples like, like almost a year ahead of time. Um, they froze those clean urine samples and those clean urine samples were the samples that were in that unmarked KGB building that Sarah had just spoke about so sarah allegedly. Like, allegedly so that clean urine is over there and then kgb uh now the fsb or something like that figured out how to get these bottles open and like you said like that the it's it, it is a pure heist movie because from there on they have to switch the bottles and this is where in this property in the documentary that that great animation was just i was like i had i watched it like five times i was like i need to make sure i understand this because what <laughs> like, and of course my little laboratory mind was going 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 because for us, like any for like your regular drugs, like your regular drugs or if you're if you're going in for a routine urine test, like your sample's not good after like 24 hours. And then if it's frozen another week, you know, and, and then it's kaput, you can't really you can't um, really find, you know, those naturally occurring um, uh, analytes in your 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 urine anymore but it so it got me thinking oh because these are like anabolic steroids and you know they're you know they're synthetic analytes maybe they keep in your urine longer so that's why you're able to um you know just freeze the clean urine because there's nothing in there and then you know transfer out the dirty but yeah sarah so explain this heist to me again like it was like they they put the they they please explain this (laughs) <laughs> yes. So, uh, what what I thought was, I mean, it really takes you on a journey because at each moment I thought, oh, this is how they'll be doing it. Yeah. The yeah. A, the a <laughs> samples are the samples from those athletes, uh, doped and clean, whoever's mm-hmm. what. Uh, the A samples are the samples that are tested. Now, mm-hmm. not every sample's tested, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not every athlete has to pee. So. Uh, they were told to memorize the number on their bottle. Yep. So the, the amazing thing here is that, um, yeah, so the A sample's tested. If it's positive, they get the B sample out of storage 
to check. And if the B sample is negative, it's said that the first um, uh, positive was a false positive. The brilliance here, I mean, it's extraordinary, is the urine in the B sample is from that athlete. Yes, from that athlete last year. But it's mm-hmm. not just any old clean urine. You haven't got KGB yep. agents getting into bottles. It's actually the urine of that athlete. The, mm-hmm. the, the organisation almost beggars belief. It and does. yet the way that they got the B samples into the hands of the KGB was literally through a fake uh, we call electrical outlet in a wall. And mm-hmm. you pull away the electrical outlet, there's a hole in the wall to the outside, and they're pushing bottles through this hole in the wall, disappears mm-hmm. into the KGB building, allegedly, allegedly, comes back through the hole in the wall and is stored. There mm-hmm. are cameras everywhere. There are observers. There are watchers. I mean, this is a state-sponsored doping program because yeah, there's no other way you could do it <laughs> you can't do it it's expensive apart from anything else it's incredibly expensive uh, mm-hmm. so putin said about sochi we must show the others who we are mm-hmm. and they won a an olympic record of an olympic high of 13 gold uh medals and they were the top medal winners with uh 33 the mm-hmm. Footage in this section, actually, the, the, the filming through, as a piece of art, this is an extraordinarily beautifully yeah, really made good. film. Uh, but the the vision from the Olympics is wonderful. And, of course, because we know what we know, we're seeing uh, gold, silver and bronze uh, athletes standing on the podium and they're all Russians. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's you have an unfolding horror interest i mean it's quite it does take you on quite a it's very journey interesting yeah yeah um gregory says that um putin's popularity had been steadily de- decreasing and then after the games it increased and mm-hmm. he at one point says um he feels guilty because had russia not been so successful at the games putin would not have been on such a high uh, that he wouldn't have been able to be so aggressive. And this is the beginning of his uh, aggressive acts against Ukraine. So uh, you can only imagine how Grigori feels today. Yeah. And this is for, and this was from 2014. This was the, the, the invasion of Ukraine from 2014, which is amazing to me because I was like, oh, this sounds familiar, but the the really interesting thing is they it started in 2014 and technically this whole time it's just been like a ceasefire like it's just been i mean we're not we're not war correspondents or anything like that but i just found that very interesting that like we're watching this today and you know we've we've seen that this year so uh but yeah yeah, yeah it, it it really is truly spectacular um how how they how they really did this um and pouring yeah. out basically they just poured out the dirty urine and replaced it with the clean urine and that sounds easy until you realize that like it's just like the IOC watchers and the WADA watchers and they're doing it through holes in the wall and they and you got to watch this documentary if you really want to see the breakdown because they do a really good job with that animated feature we told you about like um the animated section of how they they remove the carts around and move the past the urine around but i would say that was the bulk of that was like the the real part that I was like, wow, 
<laughs> about this documentary. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the creativity of this is, is quite extraordinary. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That's the sort of the middle uh, section of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And then Gregory is now, uh, has, has now escaped to uh, America. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian and the film production company buy him a round trip uh, ticket because, of course, if you're fleeing, you mustn't have a one-way ticket. Right. Uh, he is now in hi- is in hiding with uh, with uh, Brian, the director, and the Department of Justice would like to speak to him. Uh, so they're very concerned that uh, the DOJ will arrest him, uh, mm-hmm. make him go before a grand jury. And so, Grigori, this is where the uh, use of George Orwell, 1984, and his mm-hmm. thoughts about the state uh, come into play because he says, uh, he says, Putin will kill me. Uh, he gets the news that a friend of his who was also at the lab has had an extremely unexpected heart attack and died at the age of 52. Uh, yeah. He's very distressed by that, mm-hmm. uh, as you can imagine. Um, so he says, all right, I'm going to tell everything. 
I'm going to tell mm-hmm. absolutely everything, get it all out in the open, um, because it's only if you hold a secret that you are a danger to the state. So he goes to the uh, to the New York Times, mm-hmm. and he has doc- he has all of this is documented. He's a really smart man. He had all this documented, and he brought it with him. So he's having meetings with the Department of Justice. They are promising him immunity if he will talk on a broad conspiracy. We have a very brief but uh, very informative uh, lawyer telling us uh, what the charges could be and how they could come uh, come about legally in the US. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, he's also talking to the New York Times. The New York Times story breaks and the Department of Justice now says, well, that offer's off the table because you talked to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So, look, nobody Which Right. Like, I don't understand how that it doesn't matter if they're like, oh, because he gave you you gave documents to the New York Times, your your uh, plea is off the table. It's like it's the same information. Just now everybody knows. Is that are you mad that everybody knows? Yeah, yeah, they this are. It's the yeah. DOJ. <laughs> the DOJ is very mad because now anybody petty. <laughs> you either have a New York Times subscription or somebody will post it on Facebook, or you can go and. Uh, but uh, I'm assuming it's, it's still print. The, the uh, mainstream media is still print. Anybody can get this information. Um, the yeah. defense lawyer that Grigori has, he loses because the firm has a branch in Russia, uh, and. Uh, the Russians Brian. have hacked Brian and Grigori's emails and phone calls. Uh, I mean, it becomes wow. so deadly serious. Uh, Grigori's sister is interrogated. Uh, her emails are hacked. His wife and children that he's left in Russia are interrogated. Their homes are searched and they all have their passports uh, confiscated. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, because of the New York Times, the IAAF has banned Russia from the Rio games pending an investigation into the truth of all of this right and then so and then this this the next scene or or two this was was that brian meeting with the ioc and that was or was that the uh, the the uh, the, uh, wada wada okay world anti-doping association very interesting meeting uh tell us about that meeting yeah, that, I mean, so Brian goes in there. I'm like, so did none of these people read the New York Times article? Because Brian goes in there, like, saying what we've already seen in the documentary. And the lady sitting next, <laughs> the face on the lady sitting directly next to them, and her face was cracked. She was like, <gasps> like, she was so shocked to hear the words coming out of his mouth. He's like, yeah, it's a stational, it, it's a, a statewide sanction, um, doping. They've been doping since Beijing. They've been doping. He goes back, like, he's like, this This program goes back to 1968, basically, you know, just detailing the widespread cons- conspiracy that the Russian government, allegedly, ha- you know, has been doing the state-sponsored doping programs. And the ladies next to her, her face is mind-blown. And then the woman across from him, um, She's mad. She's like, well, you know, what does she say? Something to the fact of like, how, like, uh, does he know? Like, she, she's mad. She starts to be mad at Grigori. And Brian is like, don't forget that Grigori just put all this information out there. He's now like, he's fears for his life from Russia. But she, she was mad. She's like, but you don't think that I'm angry because I was there at the Sochi laboratory and, you know, 
we gave them all that acclaim and all she was mad and it was just so funny like if you watch this documentary or go back and watch it this part just look at everybody's face in the room just i i just i i rewound it just so i could see each person had a different facial expression <laughs> throughout this whole entire meeting and it was so funny to me well, she was uh, she was particularly uh, she she stood out to me as well because I thought oh she's personally offended yeah. like lady <laughs> lady it's not about you uh, how to put yourself <laughs> in the centre of a narrative um, so uh, Wada uh, begins an investigation they look at the B samples because of course not all of the B samples have been tested there's still plenty and then they're held in cold storage because the whole thing that the scientists can't grasp is the Berlinger bottles cannot be tampered with. And right. so they look at the bottles of the B samples and it comes back that 100% of the samples have been tampered with when mm-hmm. they um, they can see the uh, tool markings of whatever the tool mm-hmm. was that managed to open the uh, bottles. So two weeks before Rio, uh, WADA uh, recommends that all Russian athletes be banned, not just the IAAF, which is the athletics um, uh, uh, International Athletics um, uh, Foundation uh, Federation. Sorry, mm-hmm. Putin says it's politics interfering with sport. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So that that's WADA's recommendation. But what does the IOC do? The IOC, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they allow Russia to compete, and I'm just like, y'all are not beating these charges. I can't remember if this was, I don't, I can't remember if it's later, but does, I think it's later after the the Rio Olympics that the IOC get comes under fire for claims of um of uh what's the word um the bribes bribery, right? Am I forgetting mm-hmm. that? No, you're correct. The IOC dismisses uh, Wada's findings and says no. Russia comes to Rio. Mm-hmm. It's it's it beggars belief that with the German documentary, with this documentary, with the documents that went to the Wada, the World uh, Anti-Doping Association, with the uh, uh, Sir Sebastian Coe, who's the head of the IAAF, very famous English uh, runner. Uh, is um, their recommendation is to ban a Russian um, athlete, uh, track and field uh, athletes. Yeah. But the IOC says, you know what? Everybody just come to the Olympics. Everybody just yeah. come. And exactly. then <laughs> we see a scene that is, I mean, however empathetic you are, how you put yourself in the shoes of either of the people. Uh, at either end of this Skype call, uh, Grigori rings his wife, Veronica, and he says to her that he has uh, sad news and the sad news is that he is going into witness protection in the US. Mm -hmm. Uh, She asks for how long and he shrugs. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, this is... This is like basically the end here, you know. It's it's really sad because, and it's again, it's just the opportune timing of this documentary is just, it, it's just one of those things that fate aligns. So you you go through Gregory's whole, you know, he's the 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 best thing 
his whole journey, I'm sorry, Grigori's whole journey. But the best thing is the IO, not the IOC, WADA confirmed everything he said. Like at the very least, like, you know, and even a reporter, which I was like, this reporter's question when, when the, when WADA was confirming the allegations, the reporter was like, yeah, but Grigori, isn't he like, um, a character who like you can't really trust? And then WADA was like, it doesn't matter. He's a part of the case, but we have confirmed with all this other evidence, you know? So at the very least, confirmed. yeah. Yeah. So at the very least, Gregory, you know, he's not a madman. Uh, you know, he's confirmed everything. Everything is out on the open now. And unfortunately, with, you know, the heat that he's got, it he just has to go into witness protection. And it was really sad. And I really was worried for his wife and, and kids and his rest of his family because they're they're still there. They were still there in Russia. So yeah. um, at the ending of the filming. The the final coda is uh, Grigori reading from 1984. I remember when I read uh, 1984 as a, uh, as a as a young woman and how mm. how it affected me uh it mm. was uh not yet 1984 when i read it uh mm. and so when oh, wow. <laughs> we all went oh wow here we are mm. um and uh double think if you don't know the novel i will recommend it it's kind of like true crime but mm-hmm. just to briefly explain uh double think which is the most sort of famous part of the, or the thing that people remember from the novel the most. And double think is when you say uh, war is peace, hate is love, where that ability to flip things in your mind so that even what you believe is not what you believe. We sometimes call it cognitive dissonance. And Mm -hmm. Gregory reads a little bit about double think at the end and he says to repudiate morality while laying claim to it to forget whatever was necessary to forget, to bring it to mind at the moment it's needed and to forget it again. So mm-hmm. Russia's open criminal proceedings against him, of course, um, and that's where we leave it. But given the situation now and the fact that none of this is resolved, it, it, it's mm-hmm. it's really worth, even if you've seen it um, before as I did when it first came out, I would say it's really worth seeing again. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's it for the property. Uh, Sarah, do we have any, uh, we have updates to the crime, right? Yes. So uh, uh, Grigori in the, in the documentary that we see says, oh, I'll write a book, uh, which yeah. of course is a very dangerous thing to do. He in fact did write it. He called it the Rodchenkov affair. That's his uh, surname. How I brought down Putin's secret doping empire. I don't know if it's brought down yet, Grigori, but, you know. Right. <laughs> um, so it actually, it won the 2020 William Hills Sports Book of the Year in England, uh, but he was unable to collect the £30,000 uh, first prize uh, because he's still living in hiding under his protection. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah, and you can also watch the German language documentary from 2014 called The Secrets of Doping. How Russia makes its winners. Um, Sarah did a great job of watching it uh, for us. How did you find it? It's look, it's a bit dry, um, and uh, it's in German. But there are uh, <laughs> subtitles. Come on, um, uh, it's a bit disturbing when people are speaking English overdubbed with German with English subtitles. There's a bit of cognitive dissonance oh, yeah, for you. I, uh, but it's, yeah, I don't it's like not it. even. Yeah, it's not even an hour 
it's really worth watching, and I would certainly uh, uh, recommend watching it. Watch Icarus first, strangely. Do it the other way around, and uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, see the see the documentary. You can see the beginnings of it. It it looks at it from uh, a, a pair of athletes' uh, point of view. So I think it really gets to some stuff that that Icarus doesn't talk about, including that they had to pay for all the drugs themselves. They oh. had to pay for their medals. It was basically, what medal do you want? Gold, silver, or bronze? And there was a pricing structure as to which medal you would buy for yourself. Interesting. Yeah, it tells you a higher medal would equal more drugs. I beg your pardon. Would more would the higher metal equal more drugs? Like if you uh, not necessarily more drugs, I think your protocol and also uh, whether you were allowed to basically run past the person who paid for the gold medal. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it from the athlete side, and I think for that it's uh, it's really it's really worthwhile. Okay. So, so uh, Murray, what other uh, properties would you recommend that are like are like this, or or something that you've seen recently? So, um, I would like to recommend a really good um, podcast. Uh, I listen to um, Wondery's American Scandal podcast. It has several seasons. Um, I can't remember if the Balco scandal was season one or season two. We'll uh, we'll try and figure that out and put it in the show notes if we can. But just look up the Balco Balco scandal um, under Wondery, and it's under the American Scandal. Um, banner and it's like a four it was i think it was a four-part series i listened to it sorry if my memory is not serving me but i listened to it about three years ago i want to say um three or four years ago and it's about it was about the balco um scandal and this is the scandal that was referenced here in icarus at the beginning of icarus you get the 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 audio clips from marion jones or marion jones is like i have never you know failed a drug test um and in the Balco, the Balco uh, scandal, Marion Jones, um, her her ex husband, um, the all of the famous baseball players. Uh, uh, oh my God, my my mind is blanking right now. But all the famous the baseball players, the, that that steroid scandal from two thousand two, where the uh, U.S. Um, Justice Department, uh, uh, the the federal government government investigation. That's the Balco experiment, uh, the uh, scandal from t- 2002. So that podcast uh, explains the rise of the the founder of Balco. Balco is the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative, and Victor Conti he was the founder of it, and he was the one who invented the like drugs that could not be um, uh, a form of steroid that could not be um, uh, you like detected. Like yeah. so, this pre this is a precursor to all of this. He uh he he would put them on programs just like Gregory was doing, and he would use a combination of EPO, human growth hormones, um, modafinil is one of the a name of them, uh, testosterone creams, and he invented a drug called the Clear, and it is a designer anabolic steroid. Um, and it was when he made it, there was no test for it. And so these athletes were like, were 
freely, you know, doing it because there was no, there was no test. And it was, it was Barry Bonds, Marion Jones, Jason Giambi. Um, they're all, they were all under investigation. So it's really good. And I probably didn't explain it well here because I'm trying to just pull oh, it out of my butt. Awesome. <laughs> but it's really, it's really good. It's a really quick listen. And it's so, it was one of those days I was working night shift and I was just like, I don't have anything to listen to. And I turned it on and I'm so fascinated because I, I heard about the steroids in baseball. I heard, you know, the whispers of who's, you know, who's on steroids and who's not. But I did not know about this, the Balco um, scandal. So it's really interesting. If you want more steroid um, uh, scandal uh, uh, information, that's that's a good property to, to try out. Oh, How about you, Sarah? I well, I was thinking about um, a, a documentary. I mean, it's a completely different subject, but it's the same idea where yeah. uh-huh. the documentary started as one thing and then the documentarian happens to be there when the documentary turns. Uh, so I'm thinking about capturing the Freedmans. This is a documentary featured by uh, filmmaker Andrew Jarecki. Uh, and, in mm-hmm. fact, Mary, we're going to do a deep dive into Andrew Jarecki's work uh, in, a, in, a, in a later episode. So I'm really excited for people to, if they don't know uh, this director, to see his work. He, he has a knack of being in the right place at the right time because you may know his more famous uh, documentary series, The Jinx. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll be really interested to to deep dive into him. Yes. So as for Icarus, how many magnifying glasses are you giving it? Are you recommending it to our listeners? Yes, I am. I am definitely recommending Icarus to our listeners. I would give it. I would give it a five. Five out of five magnifying glasses. I'm easily impressed. Like it really was a roller coaster. Um, I did have to, like I said, I rewound it a few times. Maybe it was just because I, I had a long work day as well while I was watching it. But I just really wanted to absorb everything that was happening. And I I think that um, it changed subjects um, so often that if you got to just pay attention to, you know, watching it. But other than that, I mean, it's not that's not a knock on it. It was, it was a really good, really well done documentary, to say the least. Yeah, I'm with you. Five magnifying glasses for me. Uh, it, it and it really repaid a rewatch. Uh, I watched it on uh, Netflix here in Australia. It's oh, yes. uh, just on two hours long, uh, but it is uh, it it carries you along. It has a a pace and a drive to it. It's extremely well made, uh, mm-hmm. and the visuals and the audio uh, components are really good. And that uh, uh, explanatory animation uh, in the middle, as we said. Yep. And it is here available in the U.S. on Netflix as well. Um, At Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP. That's S-E-E-N. Or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at uh, gmail.com. All right. So um, I will plug myself uh you can always find me on twitter at mari talks too much that's two like the number two you can all you can also find me on the wrestling rehab podcast with matt scott gw we we normally come uh every week with our wrestling highlights Uh, we might be in the middle of a hiatus but fear not we will let you know when we come back um but if you want to know what i'm doing follow me on twitter and you'll always know what i'm what i'm getting into uh sarah what have you got going on and where can the people find you? 
Yeah, well, neither of us are shy of plugging our works on Twitter. So uh, follow yeah. me on Twitter, Sarah Carradine, and you'll you'll see everything that I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. Currently covering Bridgerton uh, season one. We're into season two now um, for post show recaps, and you can hear full coverage of our flag means death uh, on post show recaps uh, too. Yes. Um, and we, like uh, Sarah alluded to earlier, we have a great guest that came in to talk a little bit more about the uh, Hope route. So if you're interested to learn a little bit more about cycling, stay tuned after all of the plugs and you'll get to hear a, a little tidbit of what it's like to be an amateur marathon athlete. What is that? What is running? I don't know anything in, about that. Endurance. Endurance. <laughs> yes. endurance. Um, and yes. uh, Brian, this early, uh, I have a ticket to insanity, and that's uh, that's basically what what it is. <laughs> yes. So shout out to all of our endurance uh, athletes out there because it could not be me. <laughs> Next time on Crime Scene, we will be deep diving into the veins of the Theranos affair. Mm. We're looking at Elizabeth Holmes through the lens of the docudrama The Dropout, which is available on Disney Plus in Australia. And it's also available on Hulu in the US. I cannot wait to sink my teeth into that because I got some things to say, Sarah. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I'm so excited you'll be driving that one uh, as a forensic uh, chemist. Yeah. Um, we'd like to thank uh, Will from America for the theme music and Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. Until next time, case, case closed. And here's our little treat, our little Easter egg that we told you about. So Icarus begins, as we know, with uh, director Brian Fogel preparing for the Haute Route. And I thought to give us some insight into the hope, we have a great guest. She's completed multiple ultramarathons, swimming marathons as well in the Thames and around the Scilly Islands. And she has uh, ridden the Hope Route twice, uh, happens to be the same years as Brian Fogel. It's Gail Edmonds. Hello, Gail. How are you? Hello, Sarah. I'm well, thank you. Lovely. Love to be on your show. Uh, Hi, Gail. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Mari. Hiya. (laughs) Thank Uh, you for inviting me. Oh, of course. So, Gail, what uh, can you tell us about what it's like to ride such an event? It's seven days, it's endurance, it's climbs. Uh, We saw Mm. the toll that it was taking on their bodies uh, in this this documentary. Uh, What was your experience? Oh, it's an amazing event. Um, It's incredibly well organised. You're really made to feel like you're in something special and taking part of it. It's all done under timing chips. Um, You feel like you're riding the Tour de France, but it's it's really tough. Um, I think I go into some of these events totally underestimating it, and the Haute Route was was definitely one of those. But uh, you know, brilliant camaraderie, amazing scenery, and some lovely food. So, Gail, I do have a question. So the documentary did outline that this was the, an amateur route. So this is like a route that basically anybody can sign up for? Yeah, anyone can sign up. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to prove oh. any credentials. Um, it's, you know, you pay your money and you're on the start line. Nice. Oh, wow. Now, uh, I'm I'm a very slow uh, marathon runner and swimmer, um, so I'm always uh, chasing you in the sea if we do our ocean swims. Where were you placing in the cycling uh, legs this seven-day uh, endurance event? 
Oh, I mean, at the back, um, I, I was one of those just <laughs> happy to be there. Um, in fact, yeah. it was only on the last day when you do a parade into Toulouse where the, so there's three, actually, there's three weeks and the first week is the Alps, then it's the Pyrenees and then it finishes in the Dolomites. And I did the middle week in the Pyrenees and it was only wow. on the last day when it um, finished in Toulouse and you all gather in the square that I noticed there were two cars. There was one called the Tete de la Course, which is the head of the course, and I'd only ever seen the Findler course, which is the end of the course, the sort of broom wagon <laughs> the entire week. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I completed the same distance and the same number of climbs, but, um, you know, in probably twice the time as the, the people at the front. They're, they're not pro riders, but I would say they're probably almost semi-pro, really. Uh-huh. Uh, and Brian Vogel talks in the beginning about how there are, he, when he came 14th, uh, the first year when he rode clean, he said there, were, there are 10 guys that are, you know, at the absolute apex of this uh, amateur riding. Then there were three others that were still far ahead of him. He came 14th but couldn't see how he could ever get to the front. Uh, do you think that um, there is a way to train so hard that you can do it without doping or is his thesis that, that you have to dope to get to the top, even in an amateur setting, uh, correct, do you think? Um, it's, it's difficult because that makes the assumption that the 13 riders in front are all doping um, as well. Uh, and, you know, as shocking as it is, even in an amateur race, that does happen. You read stories all the time, even kind of under 18 racing, um, that the amateurs are doping. Um, you know, you don't see it. I didn't hear anything about that during my time, you know, in the week in the um, Pyrenees. I didn't hear anybody talking about it. But, of course, you don't. It's probably all done very hush, quietly. Hush. <laughs> yeah, really hush-hush. No one's going to go put their hand up and say that. But, you know, it's it's an amateur race, so they're not testing. Um, but could yeah. you do it without doping? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, there, there are, I, I, you know, I, I'm not convinced that, all those top 13 in front of him were all doping um, as well. Do they even test the amateurs? No, I, I don't think they do. I mean, I, I think they do. Uh-huh. It, perhaps if there's money involved, I'm, you know, I'm not sure of the details, but there was certainly, you know, uh, no uh, talk of tests, um, testing any of the amateur riders um, when I was doing the Hope Route. It, you know, it's moved on a few years since then. Maybe they do that now particularly since, um, you know, the Icarus documentary, perhaps it's something they look at, but um, you don't sign up, you don't, um, you know, you don't contract with the Hope Route to say, I, you know, hereby declare that I'm racing clean. You know, the only things I assume people were taking were high energy drinks and gels, but that may have been kind of naivety on my part. Well, you talk about the camaraderie of the back of the pack. I would say that the um, motivations uh, at that uh, the back end of the of the group are very different from those at the front. Uh, what are you racing for there at the back? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, completely different. Um, you're racing from. I mean, you know, you're getting going aid station to aid station, you know, feed station to feed station, really, to get you through the day. And you have on your bike, they'll give you um, a sticker that has all the climbs that day. And there could be three or four significant climbs and it gives you the profile, et cetera. So you're, you know, mentally ticking off each one as you go, thinking, oh, you know, at the finish, I can have a massage and, you know, get to my hotel and just kick back. Um, You know, and you see the same people because 
by day two or three, you realize that you're riding a similar pace to that person. So it's, you know, it's really nice that you encourage people. Um, you know, it's, it's not a kind of everyone's out to, you know, push in front of the next person. And you're pretty spaced out, to be honest. Um, over perhaps a you know five or six hour ride. So so you did it once mm. to achieve it. What on earth made you do it twice? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. And then I went back and did the Pyrenees again, which I think is I think people say the Dolomites is probably the hardest, then the Pyrenees, and then the Alps. Um, I, I got uh, um, offered a place. I used to work for the independent newspaper um, and wrote a blog. So um, they very kindly invited me back for a second year. And it, and although. I probably finished the first year and put my bike back in its box and thought, I'm happy to put it on eBay and never see it again. You know, within a week, you're just, wow, that was amazing. Um, and it was a slightly different route. And I, yeah, it was something I couldn't really resist. I, I don't think I thought I'll better my position at the end of it um, than the year before. So it wasn't for that. It was just for the experience, um, the scenery, and um, I guess just to, to have a great week away cycling and feel like I'd achieved something. Absolutely awesome. So everyone, That's if you want to see Gail in action, you can go to YouTube and search Hope Route Pyrenees 2015. We'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, and thank you so much, Gail Edmonds. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you both. Yes, thank you so much, Gail. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.